Hi, have you been pulling apart your faith? Have you been deconstructing? Have you been doing it alone to the point where you are just so bent out of shape, t triggered all the time, and maybe just tired? Maybe your spiritual life used to be super vibrant and now it's a fucking drag because you don't know what to do next. You don't know what you're allowed to do or explore, uh, or you just don't know what questions you need to be asking because there's so much out there. If that's in any way you, I want to invite you to come hang out with me for the summer cohort. That's the Spiritual Recovery Summer Cohort for 2023. I've been doing these for almost three going on, like, I think three, four summers now. And every single time it just gets better and better. What we do in there is we spend 10 weeks unpacking what happened to us. We unpack the theology that kept us in and we start exploring new ideas and practicing better things that make us actually bloom and come alive. If you're ready to get over the spiritual trauma, if you're ready to get over your triggers, if you're ready to create a spiritual system and practice that works for you, meaning it brings you to a sense of peace, well-balance, and like just, you know, enjoying life again, come hang out with me. You can go to thekevingarcia.com slash cohort to find out more. Applications are due this Friday, so don't miss out your opportunity. That's Friday, May 19th is when applications are due. Get them in, get your call scheduled, and I'll talk to you soon. I love you. All right, let's get to the show. You are listening to an Irreverent Media Podcast. Go to irreverent.fm in your web browser to find more dope-ass podcasts like this. Now on to the show. You know, she's back from outer space. She just came in to find you here with that look upon your face saying, where's your podcast been, Kevin? <laughs> Hi, I'm Kevin. Welcome to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin. I'm the curator of this space and I'm a one-man show, meaning sometimes shit just doesn't come out on time. Sometimes you're depressed. Sometimes you are just trying to maintain, uh, you know, staying here. You know what I'm saying? And maybe that's where I've been a little bit. Needing to do some really, really self-care, really big self-care around uh, stuff in my heart. And so uh, I decided to let myself have space. This this conversation had happened months and months and months ago as like all of my podcasts are. Um, and I just didn't put it out because I couldn't. And I just wanna let you know that if you're somebody out there who is behind, who is failing, who is not doing their best, uh, it's okay. You know, what standards are you trying to live up to, babe? Are you giving yourself enough space to just feel the feelings? Because really, like, by dealing with the feelings first and getting back to a place of emotional stability, you can actually jump back into your work more. So, not to, like, try to, like, make capitalism wrap back in on itself, but if you want to be productive, if you want to do the things you want to do, you got to take care of you first. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, let me get stop preaching to you. Um, today on the podcast, the fabulous Emily Loggins, a.k.a. the feral pastor's wife, is here on the pod to talk about her experience. And we also just like really vibe and have a really lovely time. So if you like um, my stuff, you're going to love her stuff. We get into uh, faith exploration, uh, spiritual practices, and kind of like what is life beyond the deconstructing of our faith? What's life beyond pulling the things apart? And what is it to laugh at, like, a little bit about what happened? Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I know that you will. 
Um, before we get into that, a couple things. If you're listening to this in real time, I've got a workshop coming up on May 20th. That's Saturday, May 20th. The workshop is called I Love Jesus But Fuck the Church. <laughs> and if that's you, if you love Jesus but fuck the church and you're looking for a way to have a relationship, quote unquote, relationship with Jesus after you leave Christianity or church, I'd love to talk to you about what my experience has been about and how Jesus is still a part of my spiritual practice. Go to the link in my bio, sign up for it. It's free, and if you sign up for it, you'll also get the playback. So go do that. Also, second book is done. Uh, Pre-orders are going to be starting soon. Go get on my newsletter so you can know about that shit, okay? Well, I think that wraps everything up. Um, But yeah, let's get into this conversation. No, no, it doesn't. I forgot. I got one more thing. One, uh, again, if you're listening to this in real time, on May 20th, that's also the day that my pre-Pride sale ends on all of my new Pride merch. I just put some really cute shit out there for trans folks, indie folks, allies, everybody. You've got some, you know, some cute stuff. So help me pay my bills and also uh, get something cute for yourself for Pride. Okay? That's at uh, thekevingarcia.com and you can click on the, the merch button or the link in the bio, whatever. Okay. Grab yourself something to drink. Settle in. This is my conversation with the fabulous Emily Loggins. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives, or at least that's the tagline we gave ourselves when we started out, and I'd say we've kept up with it. Um, Today on the pod, we have the one and only, you know her on the internet as Feral Pastor's wife, but I know her as my new friend, Emily. Welcome to the A Tiny Revolution. I'm really glad you're here. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, I have no I have no direction or plans for this conversation other than like to just like LOL and giggle and um, kind of get to know you. And I love that. I can't wait to get to know you. I was so excited yeah. to see all the cool stuff that you're doing. You're a spiritual recovery coach, which is who I want to be one day. So listen, it's be great talking to you. Let's chitty chat. Like we, I, this is the year of collaboration. This is the year of bringing people together. I have big dreams and I need people to scheme with. So cool. Yeah. I can tell you have a lot in the works. I'm, I'm excited to see all the stuff you're planning. You have like a, you have a coaching program and then you're doing like retreats and stuff like that. And you've mm. written a book. Yeah, and the second one's coming out next January, so... Whoa! Is it kind We're, of, like, along the same lines? Um, It is, like... if I, I think they pair nicely together because the first one is, like, all right, how do we pull apart... Like, here's how I pulled apart my faith, and this is how I ended up where I did theologically speaking. And then at the very end of the book, I was like, I don't give a shit about none of this no more. Um, okay. And I kind of, I kind of felt like I gave myself permission to really go beyond the boundaries of where I'd gone before, and so the second book is called "What Makes You Bloom," and it's about the spiritual practices that we can create after we let go of faith, or after mm-hmm. our faith evolves, or after deconstruction, or how what what do we do when we've deconstructed to the point where everything's miserable? Yeah. Um, and not to say that that misery isn't warranted or a feeling you should ex- need to experience. But there is something that we can do to start feeling better so that we can finally get on with the business of enjoying our life. Yeah, yeah. That resonates with me so deeply because I feel like most of the work that I do is in helping people with deconstruction. But most Mm -hmm. of my life is revolved around like the blooming process afterwards, like the spiritual practices that I can learn to implement. So like if Mm -hmm. you focus on deconstruction too much, it kind of like 
I don't know. I feel like I've been stagnating in a way, like because mm -hmm. I focus on that so much. Mm. So that sounds great. I'm excited to read your book. Thank you. I'll send you one. Um, I'll send you an advanced copy. The whole I nine. I love that. Um, but like, can I pick your brain around that? Like, so tell me about the handle, Feral Pastor's Wife. Where did we find that? Yeah, so that came to me uh, in a Sonic drive-through. Praise I... God. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my therapist about, like, I mean, as we do, right? Just like unpacking this religious trauma shit, and um, you know, she she said, "Well, you should like, because I'm a create. I've always been a creative person." She's like, "You should find a creative outlet." I've always wanted to do like YouTube or TikTok or something, and this has just been the kind of advocacy work that I've been the most passionate about. So. Um, you know, I don't know. Feral Pastor's Wife was just like, I have a comedic background and I was just really mm -hmm. attracted to the idea of like a pastor's wife who was in one way, like a powerful figure, but in another way, a very oppressed figure just by nature of the system that she's in, in mm -hmm. the church, just like going, you know, foaming at the mouth and just like throwing pews over one day and just going absolutely crazy. So that's kind of where that came from. Oh my gosh. Can I just tell you, like... I have a vision like I of like the different kinds of retreats I want to do. I want to like figure out how to like put like a cool, a cool women's retreat together for, for folks who are like women folk and in that, yeah, in that yeah. arena. Um, and I think what we should call it, they should, I think you should lead it and you should call it the feral pastor's wife retreat. <laughs> that would be, wow. First of all, what an honor. Second of because all, what would we do? <laughs> great. Q. I don't know. You'll like sit around, drink some beers, like, and just, you know, we'll do some, I don't know. What I would, that. what's, what sounds like, fun? Hey, let's shoot up heroin together, everybody. Yeah. Like, let's sit around ex the campfire and just like go crazy. Like, yeah. Access your most feral self. Yeah. In fact, we are going to do ritualistic possum biting. <laughs> like, we're going to get a raccoon. Just, we're going to. No, 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 no. A, ra a raccoon. <laughs> a raccoon. <laughs> um, but it's, it's also like the reflexive of, I want to create a men's retreat called uh, the Promise Breakers. Men, mostly mm. men's retreat. Mm. Do you know about what Promise Keepers? You ever hear that? Is that the virginity thing? Oh, man. Promise Keepers is an old, old men's organization that was oh, big. And okay. like, I think the 90s was its real heyday. Um, but it was like trying to combat like, infidelity and husbands and like porn and like this is where they okay, really started yeah. marketing like so triple x church thing. yeah a purity thing and also a patriarchy thing of this is what it means to be a man and my grandfather took me when i was 13 years old because he's like he smelled a fruity little boy and i wanted to <laughs> fix that oh, no. um but the, the conference was called promise keepers because oh okay. you got to honor your promises from the pulp from your marriage vows or whatever um and so there was me and a couple of internet friends, uh, all of whom are uh, male identifying folks. Uh, we went on a little like retreat of our own, just like to the beach and just like ended up like tripping. I, I took everybody on their first little mini mushroom trip and uh, we called it the Promise Breakers Retreat. And I was like, okay. and it was just like, it was a really lovely space where it's just like, these are actually men who I don't think have ever had healthy uh, real friendships with other men where mm. it's like emotionally vulnerable and it's soft and you know nobody's yeah. trying to it's not a pissing competition anymore 
Totally, yeah. And it's funny because the guys that I hung out with in church, which is crazy because your current partner was kind of in that circle at the time. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't know him too much at the time. He just, I mean, like, it makes sense. It yeah, makes sense, yeah. given He's his great. background. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like all of his friends were very much so like hip Christians. Like mm-hmm. they were the hip, sexy Christian crowd. And mm. um, they like it always felt like they were vulnerable, but it was really forced. And you could tell that their vulnerability could only go so far. But like in Christian circles, it's like, all you do is talk about like, I don't know, like the conversations just go so deep so quickly. It's almost like it's constantly being manufactured. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like, I don't know how vulnerable, like it looks vulnerable on the outside, but I don't know actually how much you guys are learning about one another. Like, I don't know if you're actually connecting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like it's like you're you're kind of like seeing how well you fit into the rubric that the that the patriarchy and the church has given you. I mean, like I remember back to like all of like high school dudes groups, you know, high school men's groups, you know, and yeah. all basically all just sitting around talking about how, whoops, I looked at porn again. Whoops, I masturbated again. Is that all it revolves around? Pretty much. Ow, okay. dog. No, stop nipping at me. I love you so much. Sorry. She just like bit my pinky way hard. Oh Not my cute. god! She just <laughs> you got to work she, on that. <laughs> yeah, she. It's like I'm like you're. I know that you have all of your adult teeth now. You're not teething. You're just being a nuisance. You sweet angel. How old is but she? She's three, so she's still okay. a puppy and like young. Yeah. And little baby, and I do love her to pieces. But yeah, I think that the masculinity. This isn't like that's just a big question. I've been. Not a question, but just something I've been very interested in exploring is like, what does healthy masculinity look like? Um, period. You know, that's the whole question. What does it look like? How do we? Li- how do people live it out? How do people experience it? How and how can we? Because like, I'm, the thing I notice, like, uh, in the few space, few live spaces I've been in in the past year or so especially like in in some of these like deconstruction spaces oddly enough heavily white dude like that like the speakers are all like diverse and like the right kind of people that you want on the platform but the people showing up are like white white dudes white straight dudes who are just lonely and don't really have friends and they don't know if they're allowed to be masculine or what it means to be masculine or what it means in deconstruction spaces Mm mm-hmm well, duh. Like, <laughs> that's that's the whole crowd, man. Like those are the people <laughs> that attract. Oh damn! Have I just been on like the queer side of it the whole time and just like didn't I've just not noticed? I, I don't know. I mean, like the evangelical space is like blindingly white. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that, at least the one that I grew up in is, and most yeah, of same. the people that I converse with, like that's kind of who they prey on maybe not might not be the right term but who is uh, attracted to it for sure mm-hmm. interesting it's like the same reason like speaking of people who are attracted to it this is pop culture news for us i can't remember the gay actor's name but there was like a gay actor who got baptized at bethel what 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 <sighs> I mean, recently like within the past two weeks gay actor baptized bethel Oop. uh out actor Joshua Bassett baptized at anti-gay megachurch. Um, Joshua Bassett. 
Who are you, Josh? I don't know who Joshua who is Bassett that? is. I don't know that. It... He is a baby. He is a 16-year-old okay. child. Oh, hey. He was in um, Night at the Museum. Maybe he was one of the kids in that. Oh. Looks like he was in the new high school musical stuff. So, yeah, he's like a kid actor. Yeah. Whoa, so he was baptized at Bethel, but he's mm -hmm. like openly queer? Openly gay. So it's very interesting. Like, and, and, like according to like the things I saw in like the releases later, he's like, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea that they had all these practices because when you get invited into spaces like that, and especially if you've never had any exposure to Christianity whatsoever or the underbelly of evangelicalism, it looks shiny. People are nice. And if you are famous in a place like that, they're going to treat you double nice and you're going to get love bombed. And for the first time in your life, you don't have to perform. It's the Hillsong you know, effect. Ding dong. And then it's just like, well, what are you going to do now that you know that they hate you? But that like eventually they're going to tell you that you have to go to, what was it? The changed movement? The changed movement, I think, is there. I haven't heard of that. Uh, that's their like a conversion thing. Mm -hmm. It's an ex-gay org. Like they're like, basically, okay. it's all the people who have prayed, quote unquote, prayed the gay away. And I'm just like, I have been on dates with half of you. Ooh, ooh, yeah. There's a story you know. there. Oh, um, plenty of them. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, like I don't know. Bethel kind of struck me as one that I thought was going to become because. Here's the thing. It's like a church like Bethel is pretty like culturally, culturally aware. Like they line mm -hmm. up culturally with all of the things that would attract someone to the church. Like they're wearing the clothes, they're mm -hmm. singing the music, they're talking about the topics, but like homosexuality issues and LGBTQ issues are so far behind on that cultural awareness spectrum that mm -hmm. I'm sure he might not even find out for a while because I, I mean, he know. knows now, like, like he, 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 uh, he found out because of the internet, like everyone was just oh. like, oh, I didn't know. I don't agree with these things and I'm just in it for Jesus. And I'm just like, ah. and I'm sure. And that's the thing is like, I don't want to shit on anybody's spiritual or religious experiences. And also I just, I just want to be like, you in danger, girl, you in danger. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's like if you want to go to an affirming church, I think that that could be beneficial to you depending on what stage of life you're in. Bethel mm -hmm. is problematic on like a multitude of areas, though. Yeah. It's not just that issue. Like they have some other shit going on. Like they tried to resurrect a three-year-old a couple years ago. Ooh, <laughs> people are so quick to forget that. <laughs> like, know, which like admittedly, I was kind of on the edge of my seat. I'm like, is this going to happen? Because my whole life's about to change. And of course, I was <laughs> like, I really was just like, I would love, like, I would love for a miracle of that proportion to be yeah. recorded. Yeah. And then I want to be like, okay, we all need to get on the prayer chain for all of these people who have cancer, all these, like, and also, can you please bring my daddy back? I got some things I need to say to him real quick. Right. Right. Yeah. It Ugh. was, it's very out of touch, but yeah. So like they're kind of, um, you know, problematic on a multitude of levels. Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah. Tell me about if if you don't mind, like, what's your what's your like churchy background? Like, did you grow up in it? Would you convert later? When did when did shit start blowing up, etc. Yeah. So I grew up in Georgia, um, in suburban 
Atlanta area, like outside um, of Atlanta. And um, so I kind of grew up as like a cultural Christian, what some might coin as a lukewarm Christian. Like mm-hmm. I learned all the, the principles and the stories of the Bible um, from my parents, but like, I wasn't super zealous. Like I wasn't super passionate about it. It was just kind of there. The exact opposite of me. Okay. Got it. So your parents were super, you know, I wouldn't even it. say that. No, I was just super zealous as a child for some as reason. As a kid. Okay. Yeah. Just real into it. Real into like punishing myself. I think. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> got it. Um, yeah. I just, I, I didn't take it too seriously, but like it was something I believed um, as a kid. If you can't believe something like that mm-hmm. as a kid. Uh, and then I went to a church camp uh, in, in middle school and it was a Southern Baptist church camp and they were super, uh, works of the spirit, like things like that, like a little more charismatic than I was used to. Very, um, very, what's the word? Like spiritual warfare aware, if that makes sense. And they kind of love bombed me and it, it made it feel like, 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 Oh, this is like real, real. Like I didn't realize what was at stake kind of situation and they asked me to join their worship team and so I joined their worship team and that was kind of the point where um I just rolled with it it felt a little cultish um I spent all of my time there um and then were yeah, you so away was, like would you have described it as cultish in in the moment or would you have just said oh I'm just now into church now Oh, totally. I mean, I don't think I had the language for that kind of thing as a high schooler or middle schooler. Like I just, I realized, oh, I've been living, like I've been living the ways of the world up until now. Um, Mm, And the ways of the world. Right. Which in reality, like I wrote an essay or for my blog about how I think that lukewarm Christians are the ones who are doing it right. Because I think when you take anything too extreme, it becomes really dangerous. And biblical literalism is, is a, huge danger to America uh, with the threat of Christian nationalism mm. and things like that, um, posing real threats <sighs> for democracy. So, yeah, I, I just like, now I'm like, you beat yourself up for how you grew up and your family. Like my family was like lukewarm. And so mm. when I started going to this church, I was like, you guys can't drink. You guys can't watch mm. like secular movies as a kid telling my parents. Yo, you were like trying to get them saved. And if a kid gets saved, it's more likely that the family gets saved. Didn't you read, didn't you hear that? Did you ever hear that statistic? No. Oh, it was like this thing. Like, it's like, if a father gets saved, the wife and the kids usually get saved. If a wife gets saved, usually the father gets saved. If the child gets saved, usually the parents get saved. All these weird statistics from, I don't know where they pulled them, but they were hammered into us. So that must be why they prey on the youth. They're like, invite a friend for half off to summer camp, like things like that. Ding because dong. Then, when when they invited me to lead on their worship team before I was able to accept that position, they had mm. my whole family like become members and start tithing there. Like that was a prerequisite for me to be on the worship team. Wow. Isn't that predatory? 100 percent oh yikes yeah. i mean like i would say excellent um excellent capitalisms were going on there like yeah if if i were the boss if i were the ceo of that church i'd be like nice acquisition totally yeah totally it's a business man it's a business and people don't realize that and once you realize that you kind of see how the sausage is made it's like hey this is not ethical 
Cole. <laughs> Question yeah. Mark. It's it's one of those things where like there are few uh organized Christian churches that operate today that I feel operate in a way that's like still in line with maybe what the ethos of a church or spiritual community is supposed to be like, or even just, it's like, you know, you look at like any church that like has like, I don't know. There's just a part of me that I'm just like, I don't know about, this is going to sound bad. I don't know about paying pastors. Hmm. I'm just like, it's like, here's my thing. If, we as a community decided like we're going to have a teacher, we're going to take care of this teacher through a financial means. I, I, I think I get that maybe. But where it just it chaps my ass is just like if this person isn't actually providing pastoral care to the community. If they're like because mm-hmm. like the people who stand on stage as all these mega church pastors, they're not pastors. They are public speakers. They're very mm-hmm. good at it, but I wouldn't call them a pastor. Mm-hmm. People like the people who meet with the people the people who do the hospital visits, the people who understand that which kid in their youth group is going hungry. That's a pastor. And mm-hmm. I never had that. Not a once. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I had what felt like a performer. I had entertainers um, oh, who happened yes. to know my name. But it begs the question, like you were saying, like, what is a pastor? Like, in some ways, since since having my platform and I have sort of a Discord community and stuff like that, it's ironic because I feel like in getting away from the church, I've kind of become this pastoral figure. And mm-hmm. because of that, like I, I would love for, you know, deconstruction advocacy work and coaching and things like that to be my full-time job. But I, I have a real problem with accepting money from people who I'm helping mm. in that way. And there's a real right. guilt associated with that. Have you struggled with that at all? Oh, yeah. It was a big part of like, when I first started, it was like, I know that there is a way to do this in a way that is ethical, in a way that doesn't make my skin crawl, in a way that I'm not, like, the way that I learned coaching and the way that so many coaches will teach, like, it's a very kind of, like, the, I, someone says, like, sales is service, service is sales. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Meaning I, what? Meaning that, like the way that they would phrase in the teachers, like what you have to offer the world is a good thing. Um, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's basically just like in, I don't know. I've had to disconnect it in my mind uh, between like understanding. I'm not a capitalist. That's just what it comes down to for me. It's like, I can't mm. operate the ways that all these people are telling me because at the end of the day, they want me to get, they want me to sell because that's what, you know, I hired them to do to teach me how to find clients, et cetera, et cetera. But what I found is anytime I have tried to make money, I have struggled. Every time I have tried to be of service and not give a, given a damn about how much money I make off of it, I usually make more than I know what to do with. So For, backtrack. So you, you, you went to a, co- a coaching program that kind of mm-hmm. mobilized you yeah, I um, I hired a person to teach me how to create a program and okay. and like kind of like start the process because like I'd been in church my whole life, I'd been a pastor my whole life, pretty much, pastor my whole life, quote unquote, pastor my whole life. That's not really a true thing, <laughs> but I've been in pastoral roles or doing ministry work for so long, and I knew I'm like, okay, so what are the what are the practices that are are getting me 
unstuck from my evangelicalism? What are the things that have actually made me come alive? Mm. I want to. I know that I can teach that to other people because I, I also had a nut. Like I started taking yoga classes, and then I learned about meditation, and so. Mm. It was basically what I started teaching people is like how to create new spiritual practices that don't trigger the shit out of you. Right, right. You know, and also like when it comes up in the body, how do you do it? And then over the past few years, I've gotten my a slurry of different certifications, uh, somatic embodiment and mm-hmm. uh, internal family systems training, hypnotherapy. Okay. Like, wow. Um. And I'm currently just like working uh, with someone who is a applied applied yoga philosophy, and okay. so I'm I'm still educating myself. And with a the, and the only thing I'm doing is because I want to expand my understanding of how all this shit works. Right. And I've strayed way too far from the original question about money. At first, it felt very very strange to say, yeah. So this is what I can help you with. This is how much it's gonna like. This is what my package costs. Um, now I just I don't see it that way. It's it's one of those things where like if someone sees that and they're just like I can't afford that, I'm like that is okay. Or like I don't want to pay that much. I'm like that's fine. And then we'll even like, like for me, everything's on a sliding scale and everything's negotiable. Mm-hmm. So I I have people who I've worked with for way less than what the 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 bottom uh, bottom I'll go because if somebody wants to do the work with me, I'll, let's do it. I don't yeah. want finances to be a problem to get in the way, but like we have to have a conversation about that first to make sure that you're not just somebody who is making an excuse or mm. I don't want to say make an excuse, but just like for whom you need to work on your own relationship with money before you make an investment like this. Because if you don't feel good about this, you're not going to feel good the whole time. And mm. I don't want you to do that. I right. want you to feel so incredibly good about this. So. Wow. I, I guess the I way. Wanna... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so the I was, the way that I've moved is I've realized if if my work was not doing good in the world, people would would probably stop hiring me. But the reality is, if I'm to believe my own data, it's the things that I've been teaching have been helping people, and they tell other people about it, and then they come and they work on the same things with me, and so. Mm-hmm. It'd be one, th- you know, I'm just like, there are pastors out there who are making millions of dollars to mm. do nothing. And if I am charging, you know, 150 bucks a month for, you know, for support over the cost of X amount of time, then, you know, I think I'm doing okay. Totally. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're approaching it in a really ethical and educated way. And... I, yeah, that's, I, I want to make this podcast valuable to the listeners, but I would love to pick your brain mm. about that more, maybe oh, sure. on the podcast or something. Cause that, that yeah. is my goal eventually, hopefully. No. Um, and I think it's also like beneficial to talk about it because like, I don't, I don't like hiding behind, I don't know. People don't ever want to talk about money it, because it's, it's also such like a triggering thing for so many people um, because of how we gave and gave and gave to churches just to be exploited for our labor mm-hmm. and exploited for our emotions and what we could do. And I think what's different is like when you're, you know, meeting a therapist, like when you're paying a therapist or you're paying a coach, if, if that person is worth their weight in anything, they're giving you way more value than you could ever put a price tag on. 
Like the hope is, and I'm telling, I'm like, I'm like, if if you're if you ever do hire a coach, if you ever hire me for that matter, and I'm not giving you way more value than you, th- I'm doing my job wrong, and you need to talk to me, and you need to say I'm not getting what I need. But too many of us don't say what we need because we don't know how to talk about shit like this. Mm. We don't know how to do conflict. I'm really good with it. Sure. I'm a Scorpio though, and an Enneagram mate. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but um. Let's let's uh can I ask you what's been like you know we were talking about a minute ago quite a few minutes ago about about what you know what makes you bloom and what's been making you come alive and that's what you like to focus on what are some things that you started doing like in your process that helped get you back to you and you know back to a sense of empowerment and self Yeah definitely um well, you know, I've taken a lot of different paths and I, I recommend that everybody at least kind of tiptoes down a lot of different paths after deconstruction because um, I was really scared of jumping from one ship to another in the sense mm-hmm. that I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to fall for something dogmatic. You know, I didn't yeah. want to become reindoctrinated because I'm highly susceptible to cults <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. highly influenceable, I guess, influenceable, influential. I'm highly influenced. Both and, baby. Okay, yeah. Um, So, you know, I I tiptoed down a lot of different paths. And the one that really made me bloom, uh, as some may say, uh, is, you know, a universal consciousness. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of probably things that you've explored. Um, Yogic philosophy has really healed me in ways that I could have never predicted. Um, Meditation. And just keeping those things really loose, really intuitive, really fluid. Like, I don't want to fall back into another set of rules. And I probably never Mm -hmm. will in my life. But the rules that I create for myself are sort of patchwork of all of these different life experiences that I've had, different experiences of other people, philosophies. And I keep that really flexible. And um, I think what makes me bloom is getting to decide what goes in that pot every day. You know, like I'm kind of Mm. making a soup every day and I get to decide what ingredients go in. And that's really fun. It's just knowing that I have the freedom now to decide. And right now it looks like this and it may not in five years, you Mm. know, but I'm having fun with it now. Yeah. And I would say like, be open to the reality that it likely will not look the same in five years for those of us who are exploring. Like I used to think too, just like, Oh, I got to find the thing because we, we th- uh, our Christianity or at least our evangelicalism, as far as like the doctrine and faith side of it was a purely mechanical and academic exercise. Mm-hmm. And so like we leave that space. Okay, well, this thought, this, this is not logicking anymore. And I need to go to the next better logic mm-hmm. and I need to figure out how the universe actually works. And you spend your entire time trying to figure out, quote unquote, how the universe works and then you just keep running into mystery and then you get mad at yourself that you can't figure it out. And it's just like, sweetie, you're never going to get it done because it's never over. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's nothing to figure out anymore. Right. There, there's a real comfort and fear that comes with acknowledging that really you'll never know. And really all the ingredients of the soup are kind of things that you're just deciding on the fly. Like there is no right answer. I don't think at least. And letting go of that has really freed me up, uh, I guess, emotionally, because I kind of Mm -hmm. like I was very legalistic when I was a Christian and I had Mm. to have an answer for everything. And my answer was always right. 
very judgmental and letting go of that has just been oh man mm. i wish it for everyone i really do yeah that's like the what's so good is like there is a loss that happens when you decide to walk away from bad religion and high pressure religious spaces and evangelicalism yada 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 mm. you lose some things but i will tell you just like something I recognized was that like I used to think that all of those relationships I had, it was like, I had like a hundred best friends at my church and we all were like really, really into it. And mm -hmm. then you lose that and you realize, Oh, I actually don't have a lot of common with any of you like outside yeah. of this. And also just like, you don't lo actually love me. You love this thing. And that's fine there. You're allowed to love this thing, but you love this thing more than our relationship. And that's just the truth. And it's so sad to think that your most loyal, quote unquote, ride or die friends would not, they're not getting in the car with you. F mm -hmm. Fuck dying for you. Riding, absolutely not. <laughs> and it's yeah. also, if my dog starts yelling, there's a delivery human about to drop something off. And well, my dog fine. can, I'm really, okay. This is a, a silly food thing. Um, I'm trying to like, be more organic and shit like that and not have added sugars and in, in shit oh and God, so i found too. this i found this site called primal kitchen where like it's all like paleo approved and keto approved sauces there's ketchup there's mayonnaise there is barbecue sauces there's ranch and when i tell you i have missed ranch yeah this may like, be ignorant but can't you just get that shit at whole foods probably <laughs> But the the closest Whole Foods is like twenty minutes into town. There oh. she go. Where are you? Where are you based? I live in Decatur, which is like right outside. Not really. It's oh. within the. Hey, tip. Come on, girl. I'm recording. You could be okay. Hold on one second. Clockwork. <laughs> tip down. Hey, you're fine. Poor baby. She just really wants to play. Mm. Um, okay, so you're from Decatur, so you know Buford. That's mm. where I grew up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, I um, I've been in Georgia. It'll be my ninth summer this summer. Ah, where are you from originally? I grew up in Virginia, or like Virginia and Tennessee. Like, grew up first thirteen years of life in Tennessee in the boonies, and mm -hmm. then high school, college was in Virginia, and then I was a missionary, and then I was in Georgia. Mm. Mm. Where were you a missionary? Oh, yeah. I did this thing called the world race, 11 months to 11 countries, which, right? Whoa. Exactly. That face. If y'all aren't, y'all can watch this on YouTube, by the way. Go watch it on YouTube so you can see Emily's face. <laughs> uh, okay. So, ele so ele um, hmm, that's, that's 10, 11 countries. So where and why? Uh, for the glory of God and the kingdom, you know, oh, for the journey, sorry. obviously. Yeah. And... Um, where I went to Albania, Serbia, Romania. Yes, I have tattoos because I got a tattoo in each country because now what's funny is I only got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, because I only made it to seven countries because in the seventh month, I realized it was all bullshit. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. And then I Whoa. quit. Why? I was feeling so guilty because the month prior when we were in 
I think we were in Serbia. Anyways, we were doing like meeting up with college students and like being friends and like trying to talk about the gospel or whatever. Of course, I wasn't talking about the gospel. And there's, yeah, yeah, there was yeah. one boy who was obviously gay and I've always been obviously gay. Like we're walking uh-huh. down and he says, I want to kiss you on the mouth uh, with his very heavy accent. And I say, okay. And then we did. And I, I felt it was like, it was so hot and sexy and like the beginning of a porn for sure. Uh, but then we didn't do anything else. And I felt so guilty about it. And then I like guilty to the point of like wanting to not be alive anymore. And then something clicked in my head and, and said, Kevin, if you don't, if like you have like these strong feelings and you're thinking about it, you need to go home. Like, it's, it's like, and my body was just telling me very clearly, I want to go home. I can't do this anymore. I want to go home. I can't, like, so I was having panic attacks and I was just like, and I told my team, my, my, uh, the people who were like in charge of us on the state side and I'm telling them I'm having like significant mental health crisis over here. And they said, well, you know, maybe if you just keep praying, you know, maybe if you just like pray and just really, and like they were also they're just like and don't you think your mom will be disappointed if she doesn't get to come visit you while you're out on the field and i'm just like who's this for (laughs) yeah and so at that point i realized they don't care about me and they're not gonna buy me up what's so funny is it's like you violate the rules in something they'll put you they'll buy a plane ticket and you have to fly home they'll send you home but if you want to leave on your own or say i'm having mental health crisis i need help i had to pay for my own plane ticket out of there we're in laos most you bitches can't even point out where laos is on a exactly it's in southeast asia it's like around indonesia and those islands and whatnot okay but like do you know how expensive a ticket is from laos to dc that's insane so all mission trips are scams i went to argentina oh my god yes they are argentina to spread the gospel to one of the most Catholic countries in the world. Catholics aren't saved, though. You know? No, we're right. Right. But, like, I look back on that now, I'm like, they had, like, crucifixes up when I went into their homes to, to give them our track messages and stuff. I'm like, it's so stupid. It's like, they understand more about this and are more pious than us. Like, what are, we are, we're lukewarm. What are we doing here? Yeah. Well, it's felt, to it's, them. So, yeah. Yeah, to them. It's it's almost just like, I wasn't lukewarm. I was burning it up because you were like, I was layering on all of this bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then I eventually caught fire and I had to run out of the church because I was on fire and then it all burnt off and I was fine. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to die, but it was just um, all the bullshit burning off. Right. And you had to stop, drop, and roll. Who? And then... Yeah. Ooh, we're coming out with mm. metaphors on metaphors today. Yeah, yeah. Stop jumping. Yeah, you just running, running out of the church on fire. Stop, drop, and roll. And now we're just mm-hmm. naked, laying in the parking lot. Yeah, just going to the forest. The, there's, a, I hear there's some cool witches over there, and I hear they have beer. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's something you enjoy now that you weren't allowed to enjoy in uh, churchland? That you really mm. enjoy now. Drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big stoner myself. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah. Love drugs. Um, Porn. Yeah. Love ethical porn. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. What else? Um, You know, alcohol. Uh, scary movies. Like horror movies. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I find very interesting? And this is a theory that I'm working with that I don't quite know. My current spiritual teacher um, was in AA when he was like 17. So like he's been on like a spiritual journey since he was like for 40 years and started Mm -hmm. young because he had to, you know, come to some kind of awareness to save his own life. Um, And I have a theory. So those of us who, you know, go through life and they do the sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing, and then they realize, oh, God's not in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And they start kind of like, you know, not like uh, saying other things are bad, but they just kind of like lean more austere or like into some kind of austerity because it's just like it's not good for them. Mm-hmm. And there's God in that too. But then there's those of us who practiced austerity for most of our life because we thought it was keeping us close to God. Now we're on the far side of it. And it's just like, nah, like I need to experience the pleasure of this body and I need to experience it in its fullest. I need to know, I got to know about, you know, how far the erotic can take me. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of us who are still very afraid of that erotic energy or those desires to to do quote unquote bad things or some shit like that. And I'm just like, none of it's bad. Yeah. Like, like be wise in what you do, obviously. Like, you know, check in with your physician if you're going to be doing anything wild and you have wild stuff going on with your body. Mm-hmm. And also just like, I don't know. I The first time I actually got very serious about my faith was when I did my first LSD trip. Like mm-hmm. that really unlocked and I learned more in that night than I did in my 24 years of being a quote-unquote Bible-believing Christian who studied like nobody's business. Yeah. I mean, ex-evangelicals and psychedelics, it's like it's like a studied pipeline. Like, it is really crazy how we all kind of take that path at some point, I feel like, and benefit mm-hmm. a lot from it because we're all people who are already predisposed to spirituality but like we kind of got it wrong the first time and Mm -hmm. so it's just it's really attractive to us i've heard a lot of people who have deconstructed saying that they've gleaned a lot from like psychedelic experiences including Mm -hmm. myself yeah i would say a lot of healing too because yeah for whatever reason you know like when the trauma gets so backed up in your body sometimes you need a little help in undoing that and the earth has given us medicine. Like, are you telling me? Like, it, it was just one of those things that it was, it was so annoying to me. I'm just like, do you, what do you mean to tell me that if I just like take a hit of this in the morning, I'm not going to be anxious about going to the gym? Mm-hmm. What do you mean that like, if I, you know, take 25 milligrams of Zoloft and 150 milligrams of Wellbutrin every day, I'm not going to be triggered by something. I was told my entire life that just like, you can't trust only you got to do this. You got to do it this way. And it's just, it's so sad. I'm just like, what could, what would I have been like if I was free sooner? Mm, Interesting question. I think about that a lot. Like who could I have grown into faster? Like I love who I've become, but Mm -hmm. I could have found this version of myself so much earlier if I had just had the freedom to be me and the freedom to explore and find myself at an earlier age. And I really, Mm -hmm. I really envy people who had a normal childhood, normal, like middle school and high school. Like my sexual experiences were so fucked up because Mm -hmm. of purity culture. And I'm still having to deal with that shame. Like I didn't know women could orgasm until I was like 21. Like it, it really fucked me up. (laughs) 
I mean, I didn't know it was called an orgasm until like middle of high school because no one gave me any sort of sexual education. I just like like, didn't know what the fuck's happening. Yeah, I'm just like all of a sudden I was like, oh, this thing I'm doing is called masturbation and I can't do it. What? Oh no. Since when? (laughs) I've been doing this for years, decades. It was it was so confusing to me. Anyway, yeah, we could go on forever about that. Um. I know we're coming up on 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 time, and I don't want to uh, keep us later than we should. But I also love to end every conversation with the same five questions that are just you know, it's called just one thing. Um, it doesn't have to be one word; it could be just one thing. So, but it's all based off of the fingers on the hand. So, sweet friend Emily, are you ready to play? Just one thing. Da-na-na-na-na-na. Yeah, I think so. I need, I need, it's, it's nothing weird. Don't worry. Um, okay. What's, what's one thing you like about yourself? Um, my sense of humor. I think you're pretty funny. Thanks. What's one thing that you're proud of? Um. Or person. My husband. Aw, you like him? I like him, yeah. Nice. Despite what people say about him, he's a pretty cool guy. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is one thing that pisses you off? Whether it's petty or if it's a big thing. Pet peeves. Mm. Um, the um, drag show ban that just passed in Tennessee. Motherfucker. Like, I'm just going to say all the girls, just get ready for Nashville Pride. We're getting arrested, baby. Like, uh, there's like, I'm actually trying to organize a bunch of queens from Atlanta to come up and uh, march in the parade as like a solidarity thing with um, Nashville drag. Yeah. I think it'd be so cool if we could get drag queen communities from all over the country to show up for Nash to march in Nashville pride as like a show of solidarity. And I'm just like, arrest me, bitch. I'm it it will be dangerous. Like I'm, I'm worried about it to be honest. But yeah, I know a lot of people are planning stuff like that. Also, if you're in Nashville, you should hit me up. Oh f- hell yeah! Uh, my mom lives in Jackson, Tennessee too. So like, oh, where is that? You know, uh, two hours from from Nashville. If you head southwest, it's like an hour from Memphis. Okay, cool. It's like the right on the border of Middle and West Tennessee. Okay. Like the very bottom left-hand county, if you're looking at a big okay. county map. Okay, cool, cool. Which also, like, I can just, like, see in my mind's eye. Because I grew up in Dover, which is Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can just, like, see the map of Middle Tennessee and all of the counties cut out because of the snow days. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Anyways, this game is about you, not my childhood. Um, what's one thing you feel committed to? Eight hours of sleep every night. Truer words. Mm. Just like people ask me, like, Kevin, what's your skin routine? I'm just like, I sleep and I drink water and then I wash my face. And I also think that the THC has a lot to do with why my skin is so clear. But Mm. if you're into holistic shit, magnesium for sleep, everybody, I've cracked that open the past two weeks and it's incredible. Bless the Lord. Yeah. Give it that. Last one. What's one thing you want to do before you die? Mm. One thing I want to... Oh, 
Uh, Just I'm one. Be basic Another... and say go to Italy. Yeah, <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> Listen, a small and achievable dream. That's what that is, and I love totally. it. Totally, totally. Like I've been, we went there in college. Uh, we were, choir was on tour, um, which was basically just an excuse to like go to fucking Italy. Yeah, and it was so much fun. Really? So I really y'all. Want it. It's like one of my dreams, but I don't. Do, I don't want to just go to Italy. Like I want to go to Italy. I want to have coin to drop i want to be mm-hmm. on the amalfi coast i want to be on a catamaran i want to be at a nude beach i'm mm-hmm, gonna do mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, big Em, i just want to say you know put this in your mind's eye i'm a great vacation buddy i feel mm-hmm. like it could be very fun let's put this in the vortex and watch how it comes back to us okay i'm <laughs> so excited for that we're going to italy y'all we don't know when <laughs> um <laughs> Emily, will you tell humans on the internet where they can follow you and get in touch with your work, etc.? Yeah, oh my god. So the thing that I'm most proud of right now is um, my podcast. It's called The Feral Ministries Podcast. You can find me yes. on all socials, TikTok and Instagram at feral underscore pastors underscore wife. My name's Emily. Sign up for my newsletter. Keep in touch. I want to I have a lot more planned um, mm-hmm. that I'm going to be doing this year. So I'd love to get to know you guys if you want to hop on over and become my internet friend. Yay. Thank you so much. This is such a sweet and cute time. It was so sweet. That was my conversation with the fabulous Emily Loggins, a.k.a. The, the feral pastor's wife. You can follow her across social media, as she said, at feral underscore pastors underscore wife across social media. Go listen, download the Feral Ministries podcast and make sure you go check out her Substack as well. If you just Google feral pastor's wife, you can find all of her stuff. Thank you, Emily. Sorry it took so long to get out. Like I said, I was depressed. Oh my God. I loved this though. I had a really, really good time chatting with you and it was really good to revisit this. So please go, go check her out. She's fabulous. That wraps it for the week. Y'all, please, please, please. Just a reminder, if you are wanting to be a part of the Spiritual Recovery Summer Cohort, um, we talk a little bit about that on here um, in, in the conversation. So if you're curious about that, thekevingarcia.com slash cohort and learn how you can actually like Take your spirituality back into your own hands, especially after bad religion like fucked you up a little bit. All right. Um, credits as per usual. Another way that you can support the show, for real, for real, for real, go to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia and become a sustaining partner. Just I, I put them at starting at seven bucks a month because that's when I, you know, because like they take out X amount for taxes. They take out X amount for uh, the, the platform that we're using there. And so I get about five bucks of that. Um, so if you would, you know, it's, it's one of these things where I want to do these things. I want to keep them free for everyone. And your support means that I get to keep doing these things at a low price point And also not like totally screw up my finances. You know what I'm saying? So if you would be so kind, if you'd be, if you, if this podcast was good for you, if it was supportive for you, if it opened up your mind in any way, consider becoming a supporting partner. Consider throwing seven bucks, 11 bucks, 22 bucks, whatever you got I'll receive it. And on top of that, there's merch, free merch that comes with every single pledge. So it's not like you're getting nothing for nothing. You're getting something for something, including this podcast. So check that out. Be a supporting partner. Um, 
If you want to just like us on uh, Spotify, if you want to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and on the Spotify podcast area, that would be dope. And if you're not already following me across the social media, you can do so at the Kevin Garcia. My book is called Bad Theology Kills. You can pick it up at badtheologykills.com. I think that's it. Yeah, so until next time, babe, call your person, take your meds, shake your ass a little bit, drink some water, and take a nap. You know you need it, especially in these trying times. I love you. I'll see you next week. Bye.